All right, this is Rodney Excuses, episode nine. Uh, we're going to talk about science fiction subgenres. Fifteen minutes long because Dan has some place to be. And you're not that smart. <laughs> sure I am. Me? Wait, who are you talking to, Dan? I'm Brandon, he's Dan, he's Howard. Let's get into it. Science fiction subgenres. Um, let's start with space opera. Shall we oh, talk about it? I thought we were going to start with a roll call. Okay. Uh, let's yeah. see. Space opera, hard okay. science fiction, yep. military, military science SF. fiction. Dystopian. Dystopian, the, the cautionary tale. Yeah. Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk. Okay, let's, let's limit to those five. and uh, Those are the big ones. We just hit the big five. And then we can say, are there any other sub-sub-genres? Um, and do that, okay? okay. Let's, let's talk space opera first. What the heck is space opera? When I was young, I heard people bandy about this term, and I have no clue what they were meaning. I actually thought of people singing in space. Um, I guess Sorry that makes that. Uh, the fifth element a great space opera because it includes a space opera. Um, what's space opera? I'm pretty sure that's why that scene yeah. is there. Mm -hmm. Space opera is a, it, it includes a lot of things. And one of the things is travelogue. Okay. You've got to go from world to world to station yeah. to spaceship. You've got to see a lot of places. Mm -hmm. um, the, some, of the, some of the great space operas for me are the uh, soft military fiction from uh, Lois McMaster yeah. Pujol. Yeah. Um, I, we go all kinds of fun yeah, places. She's, she's the master series. of the space opera. Yeah. Um, um, I, I tend to view space opera and you know this is a layman's opinion as being kind of the the missing link in between science fiction and fantasy that it it's science fiction that borrows tropes and ideas from fantasy it's, it tends to be more of an adventure story um there's things like star wars is that a pure fantasy or is that a space opera that's a space oh, star opera. wars is a space opera definitely yeah. and but people who don't understand mm -hmm. are like oh it's more of a fantasy than a science fiction i think you got a good point um, it, it's, it's, it's right in between, but it really, it's a space opera. Um, and I, before we get any further in this, let me, let me say, let's, why are we talking about genre? Why is it important? For, this, this podcast is targeted at writers, people who want to write screenplays, books, or comics based on um, speculative fiction topics. Why is it important to know these subgenres? Why, why do we even care? Because there is a class of writer out there who needs to be able to categorize his or her work Mm -hmm. um, while they are writing it in order to stay on task. Okay. There is also a class of writer out there who doesn't need that, for whom this discussion of genre is going to seem horribly restrictive, and I just tell them, you know what, write what you're passionate about. Okay, I think that's incredibly important. Write what you're passionate about. We're not telling you this to tell you what to write. We're telling you this, I think, for two reasons. One, so you can identify what you've already written, so you can know what's like it, and you, you've got to think of yourself as a business person and know what else is out there like this. And also, if you are trying to write a specific genre, you're looking for a specific audience, we can talk about the things in that subgenre that are going to draw the right audience. When you said uh, think of yourself as a business person, mm -hmm. uh, topic for future podcast, yeah. knowing your genre, knowing who to submit to once you've written your book. Yeah, we'll, we'll do one on submitting. That's a big, big point. Dan, any, any points on... You know why we're doing this? Why we're doing what? Why we're talking about subgenres? <laughs> we're talking about subgenres because uh, last episode we talked about how YA allows you to break a lot of rules. One of those rules is that you can cross genres. Writing yeah. for adults, that's actually much more restrictive. When it we is. were talking about the history of science fiction, one of the points we brought up is that it started to fragment significantly as time went on, and I think that's continuing. And it's because the readership 
we'll get into niches. There'll be one yeah. guy who loves military SF and that's all he wants to read. Mm -hmm. And so if you don't know what you're writing and it is kind of a mishmashy cross, you're not going to get that guy's attention. Okay. So back to space opera. Just If you want to write space opera, what should be your most important thing? What, what do you focus on when you're writing space opera? Compelling main character who has a really uh, sense of wonder adventure. Okay. Dan? Agreed. I would say space opera is about having fun. Um, it's the science fiction genre where fun comes before science. Um, and if you want to write space opera... That sounds yeah. dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> it's also the rule for my high school chemistry class. Okay. Um, oh, dear. Uh, yeah, fun comes before science. And that's why we, I, I love... Personally, um, space opera is my favorite genre in science fiction. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a fantasy writer, fantasy reader. When I write science fiction, it's space opera. I, I, I like to include ideas, but fun comes first. Um, let's do military. Military SF. What is military SF? Wow, military science fiction, uh, these are stories where the, the, the realism of, the description of military lifestyle yeah. is, is very realistic, where some of the hard science fiction elements, yeah. it's, I think a lot of military sci-fi is kind of a subgenre of hard SF, mm -hmm. but the hard SF focuses on weapons tech. Yeah, uh, you've got to know what type of gun. Your, your, mm -hmm. your Marines are firing. Dan? And you uh, have to know their tactics. Um, yeah. uh, Starship Troopers by Heinlein, one, a great book. Uh, at least I love it. Um, and that's, you know, it's basically it's all military stuff. See, I'm going to argue with you. I don't think Starship Troopers is military SF. Um, I think Starship Troopers is a social science fiction, almost dystopian, depending on your point of view, masquerading as a military SF, despite the fact <laughs> that it probably launched the military SF genre. Um, but I can't argue with that intelligently enough to refute it, so I'm going to give it a buy. <laughs> but let's, let's, let's leave Heinlein out and say, mm -hmm. right now, people who are writing military SF, who's writing military SF? Um, we mentioned Bujol, David Weber, Bujol, David, David, Drake, David Drake, John um, Ringo. Yeah, Honor Harrington stuff. Um, uh, Elizabeth Moon sometimes. Um, Is uh, Scalzi? Is he? Uh, Scalzi's one of those that um, I would actually put him in space opera, but it feels a lot like military. Oh, I, I think it's. I you think, think it's military? military. Okay. I think it's military SF. Um, uh, oh gosh! You uh, can tell by the mere fact that we're debating yeah. what fits into what genre that these it is, are a little it is more subjective. loose. Chris, it Chris is subjective. Bunch. Chris Bunch, who has written some uh, some fun military SF that feels a lot like space opera. Okay. Um, I'm going to say I'm military SF. I've got a little story to tell here um, that was related to me um, by my agent, and I think he was relating it third hand. So maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But I heard that um, when, when Elizabeth Moon wanted to break into the military SF uh, field, she had a lot of trouble first off selling. And then they changed one thing, which was mentioning in her bio that, she was, um, that she'd been in the, the armed services. As soon as they mentioned that, her sales took off. Um, and I think whether or not that's true, it's, there's, there's, a, um, there's a lesson to be learned there, and I think this is important for military SF that, that SF, that credibility as a military personnel is going to be very important to you. If you are not military yourself, you're going to have to sound like you are one because um, it, it's essentially, this is space marines kicking butt, the yeah. genre. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. my, my experience with this is interesting. I don't have any any actual military yeah. background myself, but I am writing a comic strip that is essentially yeah. military, military SF, SF. Yeah. Uh, on leaning more towards the space opera side yeah. of things. And I have gotten email from fans who have said, it is obvious 
that you were in the Marines. Yeah. Um, did you know my commanding officer? This is his name. <laughs> because I think you've, you've built this character after him. And I have to confess, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just know what people are like. Mm -hmm. And I imagine a situation in which we put people and, and, and I guess I wrote it right. Now, that said, I have also consulted with uh, yeah. snipers and police officers and infantrymen and uh, artillery commanders uh, as I am writing these things, mm -hmm. which is why my readers may have noticed that from June of 2000 through today, the military stuff in Schlock Mercenary has gotten a lot better. And I'm, you know, I, 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 on the last one we said, what do you want to do if you want to write space opera for military SF? I would say, make sure you've read. Make sure you know your stuff to write military. Space opera, you can write without having as um, great, big a background in it. Mm -hmm. read, some, read some Tom Clancy. Yeah, Tom Clancy would be good. Um, and that's almost military SF in places, the, um, the things they come <laughs> up with. Um, but, yeah, know what you're doing if you're going to write military SF. Otherwise, they will find you and hunt you down. <laughs> I'd like to break in here and mention um, we've started a new feature on writing excuses. We've actually uh, begun picking up some advertisers, and we'd really like to thank Tor Books for being our first advertiser. Uh, they've purchased a little spot in the middle of each podcast where they're, um, they've given us a, a book to promo that's going to be out soon. Um, this week, Tor introduces Keeper of Dreams, a new collection of short fiction from Orson Scott Card, the author of Ender's Game, and one of science fiction's most popular writers. Keeper of Dreams by Orson Scott Card, new and hardcover from Tor. Um, let's move on because we don't have a whole lot of time. Let's do Hard SF. Dan, what's Hard SF? Hard SF is science fiction where the science is paramount. It has to be correct. It has to be believable. Um, you know, it has to be something that we haven't done yet because it, wouldn't, it would just be science rather than science fiction. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it has to be something plausible that we can explain under current uh, knowledge of science. Yeah. Hard SF has a little bit of an attitude mm -hmm. to it. There's, there's got to be some number crunching in it. Uh, hard SF, I think, is kind of a restrictive genre in that way because yeah. if you can't do your own math, uh, in order to tell the story, you probably ought to write something you else. You know, and I, I can't take Hard SF often unless... I, I love Hard SF short stories, and novel form I can't take it, personally. Um, it's, it's, not my, it's not my bag. Um, but telling, a, telling a quick story on mm -hmm. uh, Jerry Purnell. He was a guest of honor here, at, uh, yeah. uh, here in Provo a few years back, and we took him to the uh, Star Trek LARP. Mm-hmm. Um, which is something That's they do with all their guests. Which is yes, it was very brave bringing uh, uh, Jerry Purnell to a Star Trek LARP, and the guy is explaining that uh, you know we're supposed to be cordoning off this chunk of space between this black hole and this nebula, and there's only a light year between. And Jerry Purnell pounds his hand. Do you have any idea how big a light year is? That's the sort of thing that <laughs> yeah. the hard scientist really needs to really needs to understand. Uh, distances and speeds and how long is it going to really take for something yeah. to move from point A to point B. These are the people that are predicting the future. Um, I mean, you know, wasn't it, uh, wasn't it Clark who invented satellites through his fiction and then they did it? Um, the first w record we have, it, Clark is probably the, the most well-known of the hard SF writers, um, I would say. Ken Stanley Robinson's already been mentioned. Um, excellent books. Like I said, you know, they're not my thing, but I read Mars, I read that, and said, this is brilliant. Even if it's not my thing, this is brilliant. Yeah, Name-dropping, uh, Stephen yeah. Baxter, Larry Niven, Jerry Purnell, yeah. uh, 
uh, all scientists. Uh, David Brin yeah. um, is a scientist. His his sci-fi is, I don't know if it's hard SF or not, mm -hmm. but uh, when he throws science in there, he always gets it right. So, Dan, what do you need if you're going to write hard SF? You need to know your science. Mm -hmm. uh, that, Like I said, that's the biggest thing um, because they will come down on you. Jerry Pornell will pound the table yeah. and he will call you out <laughs> if your science isn't perfect. Yeah. Um, you also need to be able to do that without losing sight of good character and good conflict. Yeah, you know, that's a, a point I've been wanting to bring up here. Character setting, um, plot, very important for all these things. Um, you're doing them well, no matter what, you're going you're to want to do that in everything. Now, in hard SF, you can take more time with the science um, to the point that it might be boring to someone who likes space opera where you're spending all your time on character and plot. Um, but you've got to have good character setting and conflict in each of these things. Mm -hmm. um, let's do, uh, let's, let's go next down the list and let's do cyberpunk. What, what the heck is cyberpunk? I, I, William I, Gibson. Okay. William, William Gibson. Gibson. Um, Neil Stevenson, That's some of his stuff. That he's of. kind of post-cyberpunk, post-modern cyberpunk, making fun of the genre while at the same time being part of it. Yeah. Um, the, you, you mentioned earlier, Brandon, that yeah. when you read science fiction, it tends to be space opera. When yeah. I read science fiction, it's cyberpunk. That's, yeah. that's my favorite of the subgenres. Okay, go into it. What and, is cyberpunk? Well, and see, this is the thing, because cyberpunk is, is for some reason, I mean, I, all of these subgenres have their staunch supporters, yeah. and I think we're going to get called out in the forums by people who think we've represented it poorly. Yeah. Cyberpunk is another one of those. Um, it, 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 cyberpunk tends to be um, early... Near, near future dystopian in some mm -hmm. ways. Near future um, dystopian and extensive modification of the human form. Yes. Yeah. It, it's about uh, modification of humans. It's about kind of blurring the line between uh, humanity and technology. And it's the, the big oppressive powers are in control and the little guy is getting crushed. Trend, trend projection is big. Yes. Um, you see a lot of cyberpunk where Japanese culture and Chinese culture mm -hmm. has taken over the world. Very yeah. much. Um, privatization is huge. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, governments are no longer political entities. They are commercial entities in a lot of cyberpunk. And I don't even want to get into the argument that cyberpunk died in the 80s and we're not, it doesn't even exist. There is that argument out there. That's a whole can of worms. Yeah. Um, but it, if you want to know cyberpunk, go watch, um, go watch Blade Runner. Um, I think Blade Runner, film-wise, is the best interpretation. Read some William Gibson. John mm -hmm. Anymonic is pretty good, yeah. too. Okay, I actually didn't see it because Keanu Reeves scared me um, <laughs> off. Um, I did see The Matrix. Uh, Matrix is kind of like the, the whitewashed, um, happy-go-lucky, fun version of cyberpunk. Um, <laughs> it, it can't even really be cyberpunk in a lot of ways. It looked like it was going to go cyberpunk, and yeah. then it went someplace else. It yeah. was a very interesting place. No, it's great. Place. It's a great movie. Yeah. But um, Philip K. Dick is really a genre unto himself, but a yeah. lot of his stuff, if it fits anywhere, is either pure dystopian or cyberpunk yeah, so, dystopian. Yeah. So um, cyberpunk. A lot of people say cyberpunk is dead. Every time someone says that, I see cyberpunk selling a, a novel or short stories or things. I don't think mm -hmm. it can be dead as long as it keeps selling. Um, but it is a genre um, where you. You know, most of these, you really got to know your stuff, know your genre, except for space opera, which you can yeah. just have fun. Well, one of the problems with cyberpunk that I think makes people call it dead all the time mm -hmm. is that uh, because it exists in such a near future, we keep catching up to yeah, it we in do. a lot of ways. Um, when the early, early cyberpunk stuff was written, they hadn't, that, they hadn't even gotten as far as we have uh, our web technology right yeah. now. The internet wasn't even, I mean... Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. 
Um, we're running out of time. Um, I don't think we even have to do dystopian because um, maybe we'll it's work so it in sad. somewhere else. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> you want to read I mean, everybody knows what 1984 is. Everybody's familiar with Fahrenheit 451. Um, mm -hmm. You know, dystopian's really big in, in YA right now. Um, Pretties and uglies. Uh, Scott yeah. Westerfield's been doing a really good job with, with dystopian there. But we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, maybe we'll shove dystopian into, um, into another one later on. Um, thank you guys for listening. This has been Writing Excuses. This podcast is brought to you by Tor, a leading publisher of science fiction and fantasy. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storyteller's stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like... Do you want to do a one-on-one -on -one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.